to Expounded Universe, Season 22, Episode 2, Sissy Nepal and Poop, the book, Lando Calrissian and the Star Caves of Thonboka, the year, 1983, the author, L. Neil Smith, with your hosts, Jeff and John, let's go! Hey everybody, welcome back to Expounded Universe. I'm keeping the energy high today. It's me, Jeff, your intrepid host, joined as always by the other host we keep around for fun, John. Hey, I'm keeping it low <laughs> he's energy. The, he's, a, he's our placid host. Yeah, one of us always tells the truth. <laughs> and the other one also only tells the truth. We're very moral. <laughs> <laughs> or are we liars? ha <laughs> ha. It's up to you to decide. <laughs> Vote now. Press one if we're liars. <laughs> but don't you dare. Only God can judge me. <laughs> in order to th- send in your vote, here's the address. You're going to need to include a $5 cashier's check. <laughs> Once again, cashier's check. All right. So how you doing? Uh, a little headachy, a little weird, but I'm all right. You know, you always got to tell me you're hanging out in my garage. I keep so many meds out here. Yeah. Yeah, I could have gone rifling around in your pills if I wanted to, but, there's, you know. There's only the one bottle of Aleve. So many pills out here. Just <laughs> a worrying amount of drugs. I will admit, there are, I think, three kinds of drugs out here. I have some Aleve, I have some Tums, and I have some Afrin. And that's how you can tell you're old. <laughs> <laughs> yes, pretty much. I mean, the Afrin's a professional courtesy. I don't want people hearing my stuffy-ass nose on the mic. Oh, I want people to hear that stuff-ass nose. <laughs> Fair, fair, but there's they're always there. You can help yourself. But you're doing a little headachey, but otherwise okay? Otherwise I'm all right. That's good. You've been uh, hard at work on your crafting of Magic the Gathering commander decks. Oh, yeah. So You don't have to tell me your secrets. No secrets. Mm-hmm. But here's all my secrets. <laughs> One time when I was five, I pushed, <laughs> and I blamed it on the dog. <laughs> I'm sorry, what were you going to say? No, just, uh, you know, fun Fun holiday times, creating a commander deck for magic that is based entirely on the song Silent Night, Holy Night. That's a rough one, too. It is <laughs> difficult to find a win condition, let me tell you. Yeah, I was just saying, like, just to find cards that reflect that, because really you want a Christmas song that's got like a big old list in it. To, oh, yeah. Yeah, that, that makes like a lot easier. five lyrics in that song, <laughs> so it is hard. you got to dig. <laughs> yeah. I mean, thankfully, in terms of magic, you're like, oh, silence. Peace Deadly. and holy. Oh wait, I'm thinking of Silent Night, Deadly Night. Yeah, if I was going series. to make a <laughs> something based on Silent Night, Deadly Night, the horror movie, that would be easy as hell. <laughs> now I got to think about what song I would like to do with that. Uh, I think I'm going to go with Last Christmas, just so that it also spoils things for people. Yeah, you can play with people on December first and be like, "Guess what this deck's theme is?" Uh, here, I'll play a little of it for you. The commander is Zedru the Greathearted, so I can give you my heart. Yeah, and then the very next day, <laughs> you have to give it back. Yeah, <laughs> so because I've got Homeward Path or something. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. I was going to say got, we got this worked out. We're good enough at magic. <laughs> we know what we're doing. Welcome to the Magic Podcast. <laughs> Just like every other magic podcast that exists right now, don't try to buy that $1,000 four-pack of bullshit proxies. Hey, thankfully that's over, except for that weird bit today where it went back on sale randomly. Did it really? 
mostly people are thinking there was a problem with the website, but yeah. you could go on and try to purchase still. But surely they're out of inventory and not just pretending to be because the whole thing was a giant flop. Surely. <laughs> Sorry, this is probably way outside the limits of what people who tune in for the Star Wars. No one Wars. cares about yeah. that. You want hot delicious sexual star wars hot off the presses from 1983 what you want is the best story about 300 people doing it in front of a fat guy (laughs) that's all you're here for the harvey weinstein chronicles oof ouch owie (laughs) my bones (sighs) so uh we are in the second (laughs) i'm trying to get zoinks my friend (laughs) zoinks whatever it was topical (laughs) Trenchant commentary. Oh, good Lord. So, (laughs) (laughs) fucking shit. Last episode, uh, we found out that there were a species of weird space living jellyfish manta ray beings. Called the Oswaft. The Oswaft fuck around and one of them, Lehesu, Mm -hmm. found out. He went out into the deep space where there is nothing and was dying. Traditionally, they don't fuck around, which is what, what uh, caused poor Lahusu uh, to cause uh, to give himself such a situation. Yeah, he fucked around. He fucked around. They usually don't. They stay in their star cave or their Thonboka, as it's called. Yeah. And uh, La- uh, Lando and Vuffy came across this giant weird manta fish jelly mm-hmm. and saved it with their poops. <laughs> yeah, they, they dumped the contents of their poop gar- garbage. Although we didn't know that till now. We just knew it dumped a bunch of stuff out and the and the uh the big animal, Lahusu, the big creature, ate, ate it delightedly. Uh then they ended up flying across a big desert of space and then our last set of chapters ended as they got held up basically by a Navy picket cruiser. Yeah, now last episode, Jeff had said that uh, Lahesu was with them. That is not true. I was wrong there. You you got me right. Uh, he he. Apparently, we, we have now learned that they cooked him a packed lunch of poop uh, in a big metal tube, and then they just sort of strapped it to him like strapping lunch to your kid. And that the events of the first chapters compared to what is happening now, happened a while ago. Uh, yes, so yeah. it's been months. Yeah, the the meeting of Lahesu and giving him a little fucking brown bag of poop and sending him on his way, mm-hmm. when uh, we got back last episode and that he was running through some picket, that is far in the future because Lahesu leaving and fucking around is what causes the Navy to surround the Thonboka. Yes. I mean, we knew it was a long time later because the chapter ended, or the, the third chapter of that episode starts with three months later. So we did know that. But but uh, yeah, I, I had forgotten that Lahisu had fucked off to continue to find out. Yes. Um, so now the, the first chapter of this episode is largely the first chapter of the last episode played out from Lando and Buffy's point of view. Well, yeah, because before the last thing we saw was, oh, the uh, the Navy has called and said, Hey, my dude, uh, chill. to be boarded. We are going to get your shit or you are going to get fucked. Yeah, it's going to be bad times all around because we're a mean-ass Navy of something. That's one of my favorite things here is we have no idea what the fuck Navy this is. Oh, yeah. Like, we have some idea that it might be the same Navy that fucked the Ranitasians from Shanga. Yeah, it might be. Maybe? Well, I'm pretty sure it's not the Empire, although it could be. No, there's... The weird thing is, throughout all three of these books so mm-hmm. far, we have had references to, like, other uh, navies or governments or militaries, but they have never mentioned 
the Empire. Not quite true. They've mentioned the Empire once or twice. There was a point where they accidentally mentioned that the Empire had been existing, or not accidentally, because modern canon is modern and this book is old as hell, that the Empire's been around for at least 75 years. And we know that because the Wenis, Roker Gepta's weird ship, is a decommissioned Imperial cruiser that's at least 75 years old. Yeah. Uh, But other than that, we don't know what the fuck Navy this is. No. But we know they stopped Lando. (laughs) We do know that. Yes. And then we just jump into a flashback, because it's time for... The exact same stuff of Lehisu discovering the the uh, the Falcon, but from the Falcon's point of view. Yes, indeed. And from their point of view, it's oh Jesus Christ! What the fuck is that thing? <laughs> a a an inv- a semi permeable, mostly invisible manta ray star or jellyfish, the ten times the size of the Falcon, found it and was it, and started shooting powerful radio waves at it. Yeah, it's just Buffy Raw's like. Hey, Lando, uh, a giant thing just showed up and started shooting beams at us for radio. I don't know what's happening. Yeah, and Lando's like, uh, get me weapon options or something. And then he's like, oh, no, wait. Okay, hold on. The Falcon's computers, which are not translators, by the way, are trying to translate this. But I'm helping. Oh, shit, it just sent us a picture of ourselves. Ooh, it can it can send more than just words. It's sending images. Yeah, well, it can only send images. It doesn't speak the same language. But um, Well, I mean, it can send it. It just doesn't. Oh, you it know, might be sending the them a bunch of language. words in its own language. We don't know. Yeah. But yeah, but then... Because uh, that's what it originally does. It sends that, them a greeting, and, and then they send it back. Yeah. The problem was it sent the wrong greeting. It should have sent the universal greeting. Yeah. Ba-weep, grana-weep, ninny-bong. <laughs> My goodness, have you dared to be stupid? <laughs> uh, so, so basically, Lando's like, great, send it a picture of it, whatever. He still thinks it's a ship. So he's like, I don't know, send them a picture of themselves. <laughs> send it a picture of Pennywise. I guess. <laughs> send it a picture of me making that game signal with my hands. <laughs> it loses. Nice. <laughs> send it back an image that just says nice. <laughs> send it an image of, of us punching it and see if it flinches. <laughs> send it the weed number. <laughs> Apparently it is down to clown, sir. <laughs> nice. <laughs> All right, ready the world's biggest bong that we always carry around in the Falcon in case we have to smoke out a Star Destroyer. Uh, The entire underside of the Falcon just Transformer style comes out and is a bong. (laughs) But no, he he just like send it a picture of it, I guess. And then at this point, Buffy Raw more or less takes over and starts anticipating what Lando's going to want because he can work faster that way. And is like, okay, I got it all figured out. It's a big space monster. It lives out in vacuum and it... It is dying from starvation, and it wants the contents of our toilets. Well, yeah, because he's like, it's fucked up. It doesn't know what's going on. And Lando is still an asshole, of course, at this point. And it's yeah. like, well, that's not our problem. Who gives a fuck? Yes. And then he's like, oh, wait, it just wants to eat the contents of like our recycling uh, unit because it sent pictures of like, oh, this is just nasty little atoms and whatnot. Yes, amino just, acids and junk. Yeah, so he's but- like, oh, we could just dump out and give this to him and he's like yeah all right fine yeah he doesn't uh but so, i mean the whole time lando is sitting on the fucking quad guns like uh yeah, i, I don't that. trust this fucking thing yeah he's pointing the guns at it the whole time and it turns out that they spend a couple of weeks hanging out together uh because that's how long it takes for buffy to fashion this giant cylinder of of extra poop that it can take with it as a as a, as a snack for later um but uh, w- while it's doing that, Lando eventually gives up on the guns and has to go outside the spaceship in a suit just to prove to, to Lehisu that the Falcon is not a thing. That, oh, oh yeah. it's a thing, but it's not a creature. No, he's like, all right, we've got to 
explain the concept of a spaceship and that there are other living beings inside of that thing mm-hmm. and that's how we get around and you know it's not stupid it's like oh no we understand the concept of like artifacts and things that exist that aren't living it's just this is the first time I've ever seen a living thing inside of one. Yes, he, so he, he started out confused, but it's important to note that the Oswaft are not especially, they're very intelligent. Yeah, they so, don't have a lot of contact with, you know, the outside world, so it's weird to them, but they're not dumb in any way. They, they grasp the concept quickly. Yeah. And so uh, once, once Lando's done that, it's like, oh, yeah, you guys are riding around in an artifact. Here's a list of the kinds of artifacts we can make out of the stuff that we don't want from your refreshers. And this is when Lando's like, hot shit, this guy can just poop diamonds. Yeah. He's like, oh, you know, I may, I would love your precious resources. You can have my poop. I will poop any gem you want, including, including one of the fucking life crystals. Yeah. He's like, oh, this thing can make Thonboken life crystals. Oh, wait, Thonbok is the cave. Yes. This thing can make uh, the Rafa. Rafa, Rafa life crystals. So Lando's like, hot damn, I guess we're doing a trade then. I'm assuming that he got fairly rich at that point, which is why we've jumped ahead a couple of months and he has a ton of extra. Although well, he I mean, was rich at the end of the last book. I was going to say, at the end of the last book, he had fucking a couple million dollars or whatever. Yeah. But uh, he's because they befriend Lahisu. Lando, for the most part, is too bemused about this, where he, instead he should be like, well, the real money here is that I just found the world's smartest vacuum breathing giant spaceship monster, and there's got to be a way I can. But he, to his credit, he does go like, well, now I've got a really interesting friend. And the, the thing is, he's like, all right, well, Buffy made him a fucking tube canister full of poop that he yeah. can go around with. And Lahisu promised that we would, uh, you know, keep in touch and talk again. But that's, you know, the bullshit you say when you meet someone, you're like, we should get coffee. And you know, you're not going to get coffee. So he's like, yeah, yeah, obviously we're going to do that. Roll eyes. Anyway, I assume I will never hear from this person again, except Vuffy had put a communicator in the sack lunch. Yeah. Vuffy took the, the big, uh, the giant set of Lunchables and strapped a, a, a walkie talkie to it that works over interstellar distances so he could keep in touch with his new giant space friend. Yeah. And, you know, for a while, Lahisa was just like, cool, thanks. Uh, I'll use this to go try and find some new stuff, discover things. And he does indeed, you know, go find some new places and figure some things out. And he's like, oh, that's neat. Mm-hmm. But then he goes back to the Thonboka and the Navy saw him because he was fucking around in like populated space and went, oh, that's a giant fucking monster that can fly faster than light when it wants to. Uh... That's a danger, and we should murder them. Yeah, can't have that. So they, the Navy has moved to blockade the only opening to the Thonboka, and now, and, and the Thonboka is in the middle of fucking nowhere. It's specifically at the center of a giant intergalactic desert where there is just it's a void. It's like the emptiest part of space. Usually, space has a, at least a couple of particles every kilometer. Well, it, yeah. The the big thing here is they are fucking up even more that zone because there's the. The Thonboka, which is basically just a big old soupy area of mm-hmm. rad shit that you can eat for these guys. Yep, in defiance of gravity and God. But instead of it being that they're like, oh, we're mining the Thonboka for stuff, they're actually stopping anything from getting in so no nutrients go in there. They're like, we're going to starve these guys out. Yes. Our entire blockade is to encircle this fucking thing and make sure it becomes a closed system now. Yes, and amusingly... The Navy does not know that it's doing that. We'll find that out later. Though. Well, the, no one who's out there knows what's going yeah, on. 
apparently, unless you are an admiral, you don't know because it's fucked up because they're like, oh, we found a a new species that exists. We're going to purposefully murder all of them. And they didn't tell any of the captains or anything. They were just like, yeah, we'll just tell them to hang out here and chill. It's a real bad Navy if they're just like, oh, look, space whales. Well, let's kill those. Well, we got to murder all of them. (laughs) It's like an East India trading company. It's so weird to me because I would have assumed they'd go, oh, shit, how do we weaponize that? Yeah, exactly. Because that's what you'd think they would do. How do we turn those things into dino riders? Yeah. How do we either go, hey, can we uh, get those guys on our side because... That would be fucking amazing. Mm-hmm. Or they find out that they can like shit diamonds and go, great. Yeah. We're going to keep them as The worst pets. thing you can do is try and control them for too long. It's like they never watched Encounter at Farpoint. Okay, so. Uh, <laughs> and how could they have missed Encounter at Farpoint? I, it's it's the fucking pilot of TNG. How did Come they not? On. Every, well, everyone's they seen prob- at least that. They probably got the note from their friend that said, you should skip the first season or two because it's not very good. <laughs> That's probably it. So anyway, as we cut back in time, uh, basically, uh, Lehisu called Lando for help. It was like, hey, there's a bunch of Navy guys out here doing something horrible. Can you come investigate? And Lando, I'm assuming because he's like, I can probably smooth my way past the Navy. And look, I'll do anything to try and help because the reward is simply too great not to. These guys poop diamonds. Yeah. And then they poop things that are more expensive than diamonds. Exactly. It's like they can just poop things and change the structure at an atomic level so they can just give whatever the fuck I want. Yes. So we cut back to Lando who had not expected to get caught out by a cruiser this early in the, in the flight. He thought he had a couple of days left before this happened. And now there's one bearing down on him. That's basically said like, Hey, you have 10 minutes or we'll either shoot you out of the sky or we're going to, we're coming aboard. So he's sitting there being like, what the fuck can I do about this? And then he finally gets his idea and he's like, all right, Buffy, Call them and tell them that they should prepare to be boarded. Yeah. Yeah, yeah fuck these guys, huh? See what they do with that information. And tell them we'll give them a hurting. Huh? <laughs> what about that? <laughs> we'll laze you good. <laughs> Why don't you tell them that my dad owns a dealership? <laughs> uh, yeah, tell them the Falcon is small, but it's scrappy. But no, he, he basically his plan, as we jump to the next chapter and find out, is that he has so much rich people shit on his spaceship right now because he's been living the high life that he has exactly enough stuff to load up a sales case and pretend that he's a genius new uh, innovator, a person who finds Navy picket lines and sells stuff to them because they're bored. Yeah. So... Pretty smart. I mean, yeah, he's like, all right, these guys have been out here for almost a month now, so fuck it, I'll just go ahead and pretend... Ah, I'm I'm here to try and make some money because you guys haven't had a resupply in mm-hmm. so long that all you've got is your standard like you know like military food and whatnot. If you want cigars and chocolate and shit like that, ooh, I got you covered, baby. He's all like, Vuffy, I'm banking because of what we've learned already that these guys definitely didn't see Encounter at Farpoint, that they probably haven't seen any of the Harry Mud episodes either. That means it's our time to shine. <laughs> <laughs> these guys fucked up and didn't do their Star Trek homework. If they had just done their Star Trek homework, they'd see right through my clever gambit. <laughs> Let's see if they know anything about the X-Men. <laughs> Bub. <laughs> so the next chapter opens with Lando in his spacesuit walking across that like airlock portal thing to the to the uh, picket cruiser that, that uh, had been pointing guns at him, only to have the door open and have a bunch of guns pointed at him. Yeah. And they're just like, hey, fucking 
just stay right there. And you're he's under like, arrest immediately. Turn over whatever's in your hands for decontamination. He's like, oh, you don't want to decontaminate this. This is some sweet-ass cigars, chocolates, nonsense. And they're like, and I love that the sergeant just immediately pulls him aside and is like, you got what in there? Oh, my dude. <laughs> yeah. I have not had a cigar in three weeks. He switches immediately to uh, to uh, no one can hear me but eat me and you mode on this uh, on both of their spacesuits. So he's like, these fucking guys can't know about these cigars. You have cigars. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, you have gold. <laughs> this yeah. is amazing. Yeah, he mentions Tremalian chocolate and also Ozeani cigarettes, which I'm I, I was uh, interested to learn that the Ozeon produces fine anything because yeah. it's mostly just rich people land. I assume they're like, oh, one of our asteroids is just tobacco asteroid, <laughs> and it makes the best tobacco because we're rich and we can do that. Yeah, you'd think they'd prefer something imported from whatever part of the galaxy sounds properly exotic. <laughs> and instead, they're like, oh, you only harvest the Ozeon tobacco during the flame wind when it gets yeah, the nutrients from the flame wind. <laughs> 5,000 people die every second making this tobacco. It makes it more delicious. Mm. Hmm. If I can't get this, this, I have to settle for the shit from Space Cuba. <laughs> uh, right. Okay, so, uh, <laughs> so... I'm sorry. Now I'm just trying to go, all right, what in Star Wars is Space Cuba? <laughs> uh, the well, mm, It had to be something that the, the Empire is blockading... Uh, yeah, it, it's probably just Naboo. It's just when the Trade Federation exactly. is blockading Naboo. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Yeah, damn it, I was like, <laughs> it's got to be something that they're like, ooh, no trade with this. Oh well, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> so for a little while, the problem is Star Wars changes governments a lot. So one thing being permanently Space Cube would be pretty tricky. Remember when we did the bonus content and it turned out that part of the very far galaxy is pretty much inhabited by one giant slime. Yeah. And no one wants to go near him, and there's, like, buoys warning you not to and shit. Don't go near the slime guy. Yeah, so maybe th maybe that's Space Cuba. <laughs> wow, that's racist. It is kind of racist now that I think about it. Did the slime have a vibrant culture? <laughs> and excellent uh, food. <laughs> great health care by the slime. <laughs> uh, okay, where were we? <laughs> Jesus Christ. So, yeah, the sergeant then... Uh, is like, all right, fucking, that's amazing. We are just starved for creature comforts. And yes. he ends up meeting the captain of the ship. Yeah, he goes, oh, it's just like a warrant office. Does he eventually get to the captain? Yeah, he goes all the way. He meets like yeah. three people. Because the, the long part where he's talking to some fat guy with a, with a rum nose is like just some fucking warrant officer who's not quite all the way up, but is high enough up for, for Blando's purposes. He's the guy who's, you know, like does not get the commission joke. Yeah. But yeah, he ends up in some dude's office, and he's like, this is like the 15th dude, and all these people are draining my briefcase of useful cigars and shit. Yeah, every time someone inspects the briefcase, it gets a little bit lighter, Yeah, and the amount lighter it gets is proportionate to what their rank is, so how much they think they can get away with taking. Exactly. So this dude is the one that Lando has to convince. I don't think they give him a name. Uh, and he's he's grumpy, because he's like, hey... I've never heard of a person whose idea is to basically drive an ice cream truck full of adult pleasures up and down the edge of a Navy. Uh, so you're not going to be happy with my thoughts on that because our Navy works on precedent. And he's like, all right, well, I guess if you don't want rad, cool stuff. Yeah. And he's like, whoa, hold on. I do want awesome cigars and booze and chocolate. Here's and, the thing. And I got, love that shit. And if you got any porno, uh, we didn't bring enough and we're getting tired of the stuff we do have. Well, we have we need weird new creepy positions. What we have is very boring. <laughs> <laughs> we 
Who thought we'd do well with a Playboy calendar shoot? Just one? <laughs> why did the why is the only magazine we brought on board Lady Chastity's very nubile ankles? <laughs> the guy who brought that has been spaced. <laughs> and but that you- got us off for a little bit. <laughs> So, yeah, Lando has this long conversation with this, you know, dude. He he pretends to have been in the Navy himself, but not for very long, to ingratiate himself. Every trick works on this guy. Oh, yeah. He's an absolute tub of shit. And he also is like, oh, in addition to selling all my fine Juarez, uh, would anyone be interested in a game of chance? And, of course, everyone plays Sabacc. Yeah, I mean, they've been doing nothing but sitting out in space waiting and they're like, yes, obviously we would love to fucking gamble. Are you kidding me? Yeah, I always find it that 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 one felt weird to me compared to all the other times that Lando has convinced people to gamble rather than murder him. Because in this case, it's like, surely these guys were already gambling. Yeah, they weren't but waiting for, for one random dude to come give them permission. Because this is this is new blood. This is, is someone true. who's like, I actually have money to play with, mm-hmm. and you can win back what you just paid me to buy for like a chocolate or Ooh, whatever. Think about it. Yeah. So he's like. Yeah, these guys can actually get a game in where it matters. Yeah. Because most of them, I assume, are like, I've got $5 worth of, you know, my commission for the day, and we've traded it back and forth 20 times now, and it doesn't matter. I think my favorite part of this conversation is the bit where Lando's like, yeah, plus, it'd be really useful for you to let me gamble because of the commission. And the guy looks at his own sleeve where his rank insignia is and goes, oh, ha that's not a commission, it's a warrant but a very good joke. Like, as the dude just quietly talks himself out of skimming the pot. Uh. <laughs> what a moron. Although that's the end of him. He allows he allows Lando to gamble on the ship, and then we begin a montage as Lando goes from ship to ship, throwing away his rich people shit to keep all these tiny sailors happy and losing money to them at the same time so they feel fancy and he can get information. Yeah, and, you know, super tiny pots. It's not like these are the rich gamblers he is used to. He's even pointing that out, yeah. He's like, God... They are gambling for less than I would have even anteed with in most things. Yeah. He's will like, be the uh, entire it, pot. He had to watch some, like, ship cook, like, do a jig and be all excited because he won less money than the cost of one of Lando's cheapest cigars. Yeah. He's just like, like, these aren't even my good ones. Yeah. Jesus. I just, you know, it's neat because it's Lando getting a sense of perspective. He's like, I usually try to fight my way into the high-end tables where even though I'm not that rich, I have watched people win and lose starships and planets and crap. Oh, yeah. And here we are playing for match heads, and it's uh, it, it's just kind of an interesting perspective shift for me. Yeah, it's nice to finally see him gamble with people that aren't like, yes, and I've got $50 million. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so uh, at this table, we just visit him at a random table somewhere on one of the ships. He's trying to get information about any ship that's really close to the mouth of the Thonboka. Yeah, because basically his plan has been like, all right, these guys caught me like, a couple days out from actually getting to where the full picket line is. And so he's just been like, oh, uh, can you go ahead and radio ahead to the next ship to let them know I'll be coming so that I don't get blown up? Mm -hmm. But each one, he's like, I'm just going to get a little bit closer with everyone that I trade to. Mm -hmm. So I'm just sneak right up to that line. So he's playing with basically ship cooks. And he's like, hey, so anyone know another ship I could go to? Preferably closer to the mouth where they're going to be more bored, I assume, because they've been there longer. 
Uh, no one gets suspicious. Oh, I forgot. When he's talking to the warrant officer, he makes a mistake and he accidentally says, like, I know what you're doing out here is very important. And it turns out that no one on any of these ships knows what the fuck they're doing out here. Well, yeah, because the fact that they're even out here is top secret. Yes. And that's supposed to be a secret from, like, everyone is that they're out here. And then even among the ships, what they're doing out there is secret. So he's... He thinks he is fucked up and is going to get just murdered, but instead the guy, like, turns off the listening device in his room and is like, holy shit, do you know what we're doing here? (laughs) People on the streets always know more than people in the ships. It's the worst part about being in the Navy. So Lando has to spin a tale and make up a story. He's like, yeah, that thing's full of pirates. He's like, yeah, you, uh, the Navy trapped a bunch of pirates in a cave here and you're trying to wait them out. And it's the largest group of pirates ever, which is why you don't just go in and kill them and you're instead blockading them. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's very, it's very important what you're doing. So yeah, keep it good, up. Good for you, good buddy. Work, good work. Sailor. Good, good, <laughs> old sailor. <laughs> sailor. <laughs> um, but anyway, yeah, this one of the two cooks is a little loose-lipped and stupider than the other one in this Sabacc game, so he keeps being like, well, I got a brother-in-law who's surfing on the Courteous. It's been here the long... Ow! Someone kicked my foot! Oh, oh, and he likes... Ow! <laughs> yeah, so he keeps getting kicked in the shin by an older, wiser cook who literally is like, shut the fuck up, Merle. Why do you keep trying to give him information? And then we'll turn around to Lando and be like, sorry, you understand. My compatriot's an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> Which is neat because he's not like trying to keep it a secret. He's like, look, you uh, he knows shit he's not allowed to tell you. I'm stopping him from telling you. We can all be friends. Yeah. Look, I just I want to have a friendly fun game and get some yeah. cool stuff off of you. I don't want to have to murder any of my employees. So, so I mean, mostly he's like, I don't want to have to get in fucking trouble if it yeah. comes out that one of them told you something. But, but Merle gives enough out. He does. He's like he gives them the name and the fact that the courteous has been here the longest and that it's the closest to the opening. Yeah. So. He makes his space introductions to the courteous and is like, all right, here we go. (sighs) Now I've got a plan and it involves not stopping at the courteous and fucking off. (laughs) Although I love the plan because first of all, he goes back to his own ship and he's like, hey, we've got clearance to leave. So, uh, hey, Buffy, can we talk? And so what he's saying really isn't just, hey, Buffy, can I have a conversation with you? Because obviously they can talk anytime they want. They're the best of friends. Uh, It's because he's like, how many listening devices are on the ship? And Buffy's like... Man, they've come back, and every one of these ships that we visited has inspected the ship 15 times each. So far, on from this ship alone, I've removed 73 listening devices. Yeah. Uh, we are we are fine. I am, a, I am a consummate professional, Lando. Obviously, you can talk. Oh, yeah. He also, like, looks at the quad guns. He's like, oh, they installed a little uh, inhibitor so that I couldn't use the guns. And, of course, Vuffy, within five minutes, immediately disabled that. Yeah, so Vuffy's just been running back and forth on the ship while Lando plays the game. Uh, and oh, we should talk about the game. Uh, uh, we get, we get, of course, because he is gambling, we get, uh, some more, let me tell you the rules of Sabacc because I haven't done it in this book. Yes. Uh, although they change randomly one of the established rules, we have all the standard ones where Mm -hmm. you're like, all right, you're trying to get to 23. You've got, you know, your 78 card deck and you've got major and minor cards. We learn a couple of new things. One of them is that the the, uh, minor arcana in this or the the suits uh, run from ace to major, which we'd never heard that term before. It's not the king. The major is the high high card. Yeah. Uh, But we we learn a new thing that's wrong. Yeah. They they say in this, they're like, oh, you're trying to get to 23 or 
zero, two, and three for the idiots array. Mm-hmm. But uh, the worst thing you could get would be a zero by itself or minus twenty three. And I'm like, well, wait a minute, minus twenty three is a sabak as well. We've established that you're trying to get a twenty three or a minus twenty three as close as possible to either negative or positive twenty three without either going under or over respectively or hitting the uh, the idiots array. We still don't have a mechanism by which a call is issued. But other than that, although we will eventually pick one up in the in the book Crucible, go back and check out season nine or whatever that was. Yeah. Um, but uh, but here he accidentally messes up, and I went and checked the previous two books because this is the guy who invented Sabak. El, El Neil Smith was these are the first books with it in it. Yeah. But he changes the rules between this book and the previous one uh, by making it so that negative twenty three is also a bust. Yeah, which is wrong. Hmm. Plus, he also, when he's calling up the courteous to try and set up his arrangement with him, he's like, hey, I heard you might be interested. And this is the code phrase for Sabak, which is, I'm uh, statistically interested in permutations of the number 78, uh, highs or, or fives are wild. And I got to say, I'm starting to get bothered by that because I've never seen anyone win with a wild. And a wild card would dramatically fuck up the crazy numbers of Sabak anyway. Oh, yeah. There's a reason you don't play fucking blackjack with wilds. Yeah. Because... Having a wild in poker is like, oh, well, it just means that the average hand kind of shifts up a little better so that you'll have slightly better hands overall. But in something where you're trying to get a specific number, especially one where it's like, oh, there are positives and negatives and you could draw extra cards. The second you're like, oh, this can be anything from a negative 13 to a positive 13, Mm -hmm. the wild amount that you can just go, all right, did I get anything that's an eight or better? Okay, Sabak. Yeah, plus the moment you get a five, you slap it in the inhibitor field. Like oh, instant. yeah. You're like, fuck that. That goes in the inhibitor field. It doesn't matter what cards are in my hand. I can wait until I have one that's above 10, so I can say it's above or below 10, so I can say it's a, 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 a the companion piece I need to get to exactly Sabak. Exactly. So the mo- you got to say assume that anyone you see put a, one card in the inhibitor field at the moment the game starts is like, that guy's a five-fold. Yeah, because you know the second someone has a five, you're like, unless I am currently holding Sabak, fuck it, no. <laughs> so, so yeah, that I I have to assume they're not actually wild, and it'd be neat to see them come up in any of the hands. Yeah, but anyway, yeah, he calls the courteous, says the usual line about Sabak, and mentions he has like a hundred gallons of Dingleberry ice cream or something. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly <laughs> what he says. I think it's like it's del- Beetleberry. Beetleberry, thank you. It's Dingleberry ice cream. Yeah. So he's like, hey, I've got a hundred gallons of Beetleberry ice cream that I've been saving for you guys. And they're like, Holy I've got a hundred gallons of Thornberry's ice cream. Pop it. <laughs> Smashing. <laughs> I've got a hundred gallons of Matt Berry's ice cream. <laughs> Fuck that guy. I took it all. If you eat this ice cream, you can drink blood and fuck forever. <laughs> Uh, where were we? He, they're like, oh shit, ice cream. We haven't had ice cream for like two fucking months. Get the fuck on this ship, Mister Man. You're the, you're our hero. And then Lando is like, hey, Buffy, did we install the big thing on the back of the ship? Did you build that thing I wanted? To, <laughs> did you get that thing I sent you? <laughs> Buffy's like, would you quit asking me if I did my job? Yes, obviously I, I built have, the thing. I have always done my job. <laughs> It's weird, and it sticks out, and I don't know what you want it for, but yes. And he's like, oh, ho, ho, you shall see. I feel like Buffy should really use the fact that he won't stop calling Lando Master 
as his bargaining chip to get Lando to quit asking him if he's done things. Ah. <laughs> but anyway, he's like, yes, I built the big stupid box on the end of the ship, which I'm guessing in 1983 was a huge, not uh, unpredictable trick. But the moment you read it in this book, you're like, oh, he's got a, a fake explosion built to his butt so he can fly away from it. Which indeed he does. He shows up. <laughs> and of course, when he gets to the picket line, they're like, all right, well, come on in. And he just doesn't go over there he continues towards the cave and they're like uh hey buddy you fucked up we're over here where'd you learn to fly and they're trying to be friendly because you know he's had at this point a reputation for being a merchant that goes around and does this doctor feel good everyone wants him on the ship they don't want to like be like we'll blow you up they want to be like oh no come back come back with your hey buddy you fucked up were you (laughs) you asleep at the wheel come on man come on you've got post-victorian porno uh you've got post malone porno <laughs> keep flying <laughs> get out of here <laughs> no one wants that uh but yeah so they it takes them uh much longer than it should for them to finally go oh wait a minute hold on you better get the fuck back here or we will open fire yes and so lando's like Vuffy, put everything into the engines and everything else into the the aft shields which i thought was cute as a line delivery uh and then the moment they shoot and you know they will we better hope that fucking machine we built works because lando's like i built this machine i'm not a technology man yeah i don't know if this works i am assuming you did your job yeah and this is decades before the the uh con- the current theory that lando is way into having sex with machines uh came about so <laughs> so we we assume that he's not at this point he's only a technology man begrudgingly ah and not a technology man sexually exactly uh so basically they start, they open fire and sure enough, they, they, uh, he's like, if this doesn't work, we're going to be exploded into a million tiny metal fragments that are scatter themselves across the Thonboka. And then they get shot and they explode into a thousand tiny metal fragments that scatter across the Thonboka chapter swap. <laughs> well, honestly, no, cause it even says in that chapter, they're like, anyway, they showed up at the Thonboka yeah. and, uh, an explosion went off where they were. It's supposed to be theoretically possible that Lando is dead right now, except there's no way. Obviously he's not dead. No, I mean, I swear the end of that chapter ends with them saying, anyway, I show up at the Thonboka. Man, I'm not, gonna, I'm not going to dig it up enough to go back to chapter two, but, but uh, let's assume you're right. Cause I'm happy with that. And then we move on to the third chapter that we're going to deal with this week, which is, uh, basically just a bunch of other people. Yeah, it's so uh, we start with Clint Shanga. No, man, we start with the other. Oh, God, the one and the other. I thought that was the last bit. Okay, so, yeah, we start with some mystical style horse shit, which I actually remember very well. This is one of my favorite parts about this book. So I'm going to use kid gloves and let John describe it. Let's let's go ahead and have me do it, because yes, I don't remember anything because I've never seen it before. (laughs) So we get the one and the other. And they are talking to each other in very like, ah, yes, we are those who rule over everyone. We are so smart. We have watched all of Star Trek and we're exactly like those (laughs) dumb motherfucking aliens that achieved ascendance. All of it except Enterprise, which famously sucks. It is balls. (laughs) And we know this for we are so smart. Yeah, yeah. They're they're basically 70s style AIs. They're, They're just... Super intelligent. They're yeah. like, hey, uh, we as a society evolved to be so smart that we no longer had a society that had forward progress because we knew everything and were so smart and logical and knew so much about everything. We had predictions about what would happen that were like, 
all right, it's not just that we know everything currently, it's that we know what will happen because mm-hmm. we have all sorts of algorithms and whatnot that are like, yeah, based on current evidence, this is how everything in the universe will play out. Yes. So they just sort of became bored. Yeah. And they, uh, notably, the, the, the chapter starts with them discussing observations of Lahisu, who they have, they have seen and they're like, oh, he is very similar to us, except he is not. Except he has a butthole. Yeah. What a piece of shit. Basically, I think the only way in which Lahisu is similar to them is that they are also uh, space things that are independently hyperspace capable. Yeah, but we don't know that. Yeah. But they they have a whole bit about how Lahisu is very similar to them, but, but primitive and doesn't know everything like they do. He's on a mission of discovery where we already know every place you can go. And the whole deal with them is they have created... Something that is going to make chaos such that they don't know what will happen. Mm-hmm. They have they were like, we're so bored and we know the future, we know what everything is gonna happen, and the only way uh the one at one point in their past was like, Oh, our entire society will crumble and we will all die because there's no point to us. Yeah, societal collapse will happen. We'll stagnate into obscurity and disappear. Yeah, we're too smart. To be able to give a fuck about anything. Yeah. We're going to go so, out the way Bohua Mudda did. <laughs> yeah, so instead, uh, I propose that we add a chaos element such that we can't predict what's going to happen. Hmm? We don't know everything. Yeah. And so, I you know, it's sort, of, it's sort of like when uh, Dr. Manhattan has, like, the tachyons around him. He's like, oh, this is, like, the first time in my existence of being this that I don't know what's going to happen. This is neat! <laughs> And both of them are like, hey, I wonder, oh, man, we haven't had to use the word wonder in, like, millennia. Yeah. Although I think my favorite bit of this is when he's like, oh, I've had an, I've realized that we're going to stagnate into nothing. I need to introduce a random chaotic element to existence so that we can experience chaos again. And then he floats that to the collective rest, because they're the one, the other, and the rest. Yeah. And and no one disagrees. Everyone just goes, yeah, logically, that makes sense. You should do that. And he's like. Shit, that in and of itself is an argument that we need to do this, because if we were a vital society still, we'd have contrarians just because there'd be contrarians. Yeah, there would be someone who would want to at least explore why we shouldn't, but everyone was like, yes, clearly, best course of action, beep Mm. boop. All of us concur, for all of us are the best. Yeah, so he was like, all right, well, I did that. We don't know what it is. We have no idea what the chaos element that they have put out into the universe is yet. John sure doesn't. Nope. <laughs> we, me and the audience, do not know what the fuck they've hey, done. there's a significant portion of the audience that has read this book. Well, I wouldn't say a significant. There's a portion of the audience. <laughs> anyway, Anyone who's read it, read this book I'm, is not significant gonna, to me. I'm going to quit being smug about it. It's, it's just a really... I, revisiting it, it's a really neat scene because it's fun to to, to read from their, their uh, examination of why their society needs this. And I do really like the part where... where uh, well, it's interesting because when they first showed up, I was like, oh, are these... Are these they? Are these the, the people from the fucking Rafa? Who talks like that? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh, are these the Sheru? Because for a second, I was like, oh, their whole deal was being like, we've evolved so far that we can just, you know change matter and energy to our whims and mm. we've got superpowers and crazy intellect and i was like oh are these 
are these the shrew? And then I went, wait a minute, are these the things the shrew were f- afraid of? <laughs> and then I went, oh, no, wait, none of this is going to matter to any of the shit that we've read before. Of course not. No, no, they're going to mention it in passing. We've already mentioned life crystals and the Ozeon system. Exactly. So we're happy to drop references to other books, but but yeah. Um, but all I, these need to be self-contained because they're individual books. I just love the part where the, where the the other starts by saying, I wonder what, and then he realizes that he's he's being unproductive and trails off. But, well, no, because he, he says, oh, do you suppose? Yes. And has the thought of, oh, man, we haven't had to use the phrase, do you suppose, yeah. in forever, because we've all known exactly what's going to happen. But he trails off because of his realization, only for the one to be like, do I suppose that this will change everything and be amazing in a million different ways? I do. And I further go on to purport. And then the other's like, ha, ha, ha. Hey, I, you- <laughs> I've, I've learned something. You talk the fuck too much. Yeah, he's like, I learned something. You need to tell me what you've learned. For in learning new things, that is how our society will advance. And he's like, yeah, the, the new thing I learned is you're real fucking talkative when you want to new- le- learn something. And he's like, ah, I see you've also learned comedy, dick. <laughs> Why don't you take an improv class? Maybe someday you'll learn good comedy. <laughs> oh, then don't take an improv class. Burn, motherfucker! Yeah, yes, and you suck. Is anyone here having an anniversary? <laughs> I only do crowd work. You're from where? I'm sorry. That's no, the I'm joke. just sorry. Haha, <laughs> do you get it? The thing, the place that is bad. <laughs> Work with me. I can hear you existing. <laughs> I can hear your molecules shifting upon the audience. <laughs> so we leave them with, you know, just a little, hey, that was weird. I, I like, there is a bit where he's like, I, or the other says, I will contact the rest and then sends out like a pulse. And they mention that that uh, the the rest, whatever these are, are so far apart that it's going to take multiple weeks for all these communications to get out to everybody. Yeah, and this is going, they're like, oh, it doesn't matter, even though it is going multiple times the speed of light, it is going to take months for these communications to even reach the rest. Yes. So, there you go. There's there's the one and the other and the rest. Mm -hmm. Neat stuff. Neat stuff. Then I think we check in with Clint Shanga, because we end on Roker. Yeah. Uh, So Clint Shanga is heading out from Tund, the the burned-down planet, yeah, after he had his meeting last time mm-hmm. where he was like, ah, I'll make a deal with the devil to destroy a robot that I don't think is a robot. Yeah, it's neat that we're getting so much more development on Clint in this, in this book. Because in the previous Weird. book, we got nothing. He was just like a, a grizzled dude in a fighter ship who, would ta- who wouldn't take an explanation for an answer. Yeah. Uh, now we're like, oh no, he's everybody's avuncular, murderous super grandpa. Yeah. He's uh he was a soldier that retired to become a farmer, but then re became a soldier, and then his society died, and now he's not a soldier for anything but hire. And basically, this whole chapter is just here, or this portion of this chapter is here to just humanize him. Where he, he's flying along, and he's like, like all soldiers, I detest killing. Yeah, he's like, oh, I, you know, obviously, I wasn't allowed to bring my gun with me when I went to go meet Roker, but I miss having its weight on my hip. Yeah, not because I'm like. Ooh, I want a weapon to murder people, but just it's one of the few feelings of familiarity I have. Mm-hmm. And because everything in my life and society has been destroyed, I have like vanishing few things that are familiar. Yes. So uh so yeah, he's he is 
we're flying along with him as he's exiting the Tundra system and flying out to the outskirts of it uh, to rejoin his his uh, fighter. His little group, ragtag which band. Which weirdly seems to have another warp engine to hang off of or something. We're not sure. No, because they have a battleship now. No, they they mentioned they had the battleship engine that they threw at the fucking planet last book. That's wild, because that thing blew up. Yeah, I and then it, they don't have it now, is oh, okay. what I'm getting. Well, the problem is that doesn't make any sense, because his ship's not light speed capable. None of them are. So how are they getting out to the tons system and so on? No idea. We don't know yet. They do not mention it, because yeah. they were like, because all he does mention is, we used to have this engine that we scra- salvaged from... Uh, a okay. battle cruiser that landed on our planet during the fight. Yes, and we used that, but we and he, you know, says, "Yeah, we threw that at the fucking planet that Bahuamutta was on in a last ditch effort to blow up Vuffy Raw, which didn't work. Mm-hmm. So now we don't have that, and there is no explanation for what they do have." Yeah, he was also pretty much the only survivor of that dogfight. Um, yeah, everyone else that was daisy chained to that fucking engine died. Or they're just still floating around in the Ozeon during the flame wind. They're not going to have, and they only, they blew up the only asteroid within landing distance. Ah. So they're not going to have a good time. But he met, he think in his big soliloquy here, as he explain, explains to us, the readers, that he's not just a murderer. He's actually a, a thoughtful badass who could kill more men with his elbow than any, any 10 men could with a gun like his. Yeah. Um, super. I'm so badass. That's a lot of. The, I mean, I like the character more here because I, I like this idea of like a grizzled old grandpa man who's like leading a charge, and he's he's the super veteran who's like, yeah. oh, I thought I was out of the game. But you can already see them starting to sow the seed for how this guy is going to realize that revenge against Buffy is pointless. He, uh, apparently, he, it's the same Navy because he's like, hey, that Navy that's out there. Once I destroy Vuffy, I gotta destroy every member of the Centrality Navy that ever did anything to, to us as well. Well, yeah, his big thing was he was like, oh, before, when I was, you know, in the fucking weird daisy chain thing to the engine, I assumed this is gonna be a death mission, I'll die doing this, and that's fine, I don't even have anything to do after this anyway, so I would welcome it. But yeah. now, he's like, oh, the fact that, the, like, the Navy is here and they're doing things has really opened my eyes to like, oh, I don't want to just get revenge on Buffy Raw. I basically want to stick it to everyone that fucked us over. And it's weird that he's like, but ooh, I want to torture that little robot guy. Because I'm like, dude, the people who murdered you are not that little robot guy. No, I know. And he knows that too. I th- I think they're setting the seeds. I, this part I don't remember. I think they're sowing the seeds here for him to be the the uh, the character that can be saved. Because you got two villains. You got him and you got Roker. And obviously Roker's going to get murderize somehow oh yeah and but, he realizes in this yeah. he's like dude i've made a deal with a man that is just very clearly evil yeah so i think i think he gets out of it i don't think we have three villains here i don't think the navy fucking matters if the navy mattered we would have met the admiral and he'd have been like i'm admiral nasty dick and and <laughs> and uh and, and i'm definitely an important villain so i, I humanize the navy by being here woof man what I don't know what about Admiral Nasty Dick just got me. (laughs) I don't don't know why, but I was like, I'm done. I'm just like, out. (laughs) I will now leave this garage. Well, ah, it's been nice, but I got to go. Well, I I left it open for you to give him a first name. (laughs) I mean, obviously, this is Star Wars, so it's got to be stupid. So clearly, he's Admiral Smegman. Nasty Dick. Admiral Smegman Nasty Dick. If he existed, then the Navy would be relevant, but I'm pretty sure they're just backdrop. Yeah, I mean, they are the looming threat, and 
the thing, I mean, the thing is, Roker, which we will get to in this chapter, yes, has been the sort of background threat in all of these, and he just keeps being the background threat. I kept thinking, okay, well, this is the third and the final in the trilogy. They'll make him front and center, and no, he's still just like. Oh, I'm so weird in the background. He's still posturing. I want my little butthole bat to eat a thing. Yeah, he's still just posturing and making sure you know he's the most dangerous thing. And, you know, one of the things it feels like Star Wars books have an insanely hard time learning is when to, when to say enough posturing is enough for your villains. Because all every villain we've ever met, almost, I think there's maybe one or two okay ones, and I still love Roker just because he's so over the top, but every one of them... It's like nine chapters of them sitting alone by themselves and being like, yes, little do they know I am the most powerful of all evils. And you're like, okay, I get it. What's the next chapter going to be? I'm also very gross. You're like, "Uh, okay, thanks. I I get it. Yeah. There's the problem of wanting to continually check in with the bad guys. Like, dude, unless he's doing something that actually matters, please don't just check in to go, uh, uh, is he still evil? Yes, he is. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> you ever notice that whenever we encounter Vader in these books, which we do, he's never just sitting around thinking about how badass he is? No, he's doing stuff. Yeah. He's out there accomplishing. He actualizes. Vader is out there living his best life. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, you got fuckers like Hethrier just sitting around in his wood-paneled romper room being like, yes, and soon the Empire will be reborn. Oh, yeah. So Hethrier fucking read the secret and yeah. thought, oh, I'll just actualize what I want by thinking about it. Fuck you. You got to put in the work. It's just wild that these these authors routinely get the chance to write either the Emperor or Vader, and they write them very credibly and correctly, and then they go right back to their villains and don't see how much of a farce they've created by comparison to a well-written villain. Because <laughs> we had that fucking book where we had to deal with, with uh, Shizor talking to Vader, and you're like, learn the lesson. Vader's cool because he doesn't sit in his room and think about how big his own dick is. <laughs> Yeah, we don't get to go to Vader and he'd go, man, I'm so good with a lightsaber. If someone came up to me, I hit him. I hit him so hard. I'm so good. I'm going to sit in this workout bed because I'm too cool to actually exercise. Oh. Anyway, anyway. Yeah. So Clint Shanga has a whole thought about how he's reassembled a new crew because he put together a bunch more Renatasian leftover guys. Oh, yeah, because the ones who are here now are basically the ones who couldn't get it together for the first mission. Cause it yes. was like, Oh, these were ones who were like trying to hop a ride on like garbage scows and people that were just like thumbing their way to get here. Mm-hmm. So these are the dregs of what he had. Yeah. So he's got a new fighter crew and he is mostly just concerning himself about how he's clearly made a devil's bargain. And then right before he gets to his own ships out on the, cl- the edge of the Ozeon system, he's he- like, it's not gay. If your balls don't touch during a devil's bargain, <laughs> Fool, you have no many how many no idea how many balls I have or where I have placed them. <laughs> if you were to see the true positioning of Rokagepta's balls, it would blow your mind. <laughs> Every thousand years my balls are in alignment. <laughs> when the twenty balls of Rokagepta align, then shall the universe tremble. <laughs> Right as Clint Shanga gets back to his own ship, he sees another little fighter zip past him, and it's like obviously a super cool fighter that can go light speed, which is very rare at this point in galactic history. Um, I mean, think about it. Even even by modern standards, that's true because the none of the ships in uh, Clone Wars were uh, hyperspace capable unless they had that hyperspace ring thing that they were flying around in. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, 
this little hyperspace-capable one-man fighter craft goes zipping past him. And that's a setup for the third subchapter in this chapter when a scout has to give a report to Roker Gepta, which is... Well, it's Roker it is most evilly. It's, oh boy, an underling has to give bad news to the evil guy. Certainly. I wonder what will happen. Oh, a literal messenger? I wonder. <laughs> will anyone kill him? Jesus. <laughs> so Roker, of course, is on his weenus, mm-hmm. and he's like, all right, I'm, I hang out in the captain's chair, even though there is technically a captain of this ship, and I am not it. Also, there's like a throne for him on the ship, and he's like, nah. I oh, mean, man. In this chapter, they mention the they mention his, his, his big time. rock throne. But in a previous book, they mentioned that he has a fancier chair on the ship somewhere, and he just doesn't use it because it throws off the crew. <laughs> Yeah, if he's the one sitting in the captain's chair, it just fucks with people. Yes. Because he's watching them. Well, because everything about him is just being like, I'm doing this to fuck with people, so I'll be unpredictable and no one will ever know my true motive, which is, of course, to kill Lando Calrissian. You're like, uh... I'll (laughs) steal it! (laughs) He drives me to drink! (laughs) Yeah. So, Roker is hanging out, and this scout from the Navy shows up and he's like, ah, I bring news. Fucking the Millennium Falcon blew up. We, oops, we blew him up. And Roker is pissed, obviously, because he's like, for some reason, I've put it too much importance on Lando. And I always assumed he was a big badass. Then someone just blew him up. Like I could have done at any time if I had given a shit. Well, he's just switched Lando from the one who is always in his sights to the one who who got away. Yeah. He's 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 like, oh, that Lando is the fly in my ointment. (laughs) It's like looking up someone you had a crush on 20 years ago on Facebook and finding out they're married. That's what's happening to him right now. Where you're like, well, I've completely moved on. I didn't even think of their name until a day ago. And now somehow I'm crushed. Uh, Alexa, play a Shin song. <laughs> Alexa, play Despacito. <laughs> no, I have played it enough. <laughs> but yeah, he's just like, all right, well, I need evidence. I need to know that this happened because I am just weirdly obsessed with Lando. And he's like, mm-hmm. yeah, okay. I mean, I can give you the like video and whatnot. We captured it. Yeah. But the people who were there, including me, Saw his ship explode. Yeah, so he's even even like, hey, the courteous shot at him with some kind of crazy new laser beam no one's ever seen. We don't even know what that was. Yeah, this motherfucker got vaporized. Yeah, and he's like, oh, and he got blown up into basically space needles. He's gone. He's completely gone. And Gepta gets lost in thought for a while because he's like, that should have been mine. I'm considering the road I did not choose. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe instead of caring about Lando Calrissian, I should have done anything else to further my goals. Oh, God, I've wasted my life. Oh, no. (laughs) Captain, I require a sports car. (laughs) I sleep in a big bed with my wife. (laughs) I also sleep in a big bed with your wife. You now you have learned where one of my balls might be. (laughs) Oh, Jesus Christ. Yeah. And of course, giving this information to Roker Gepta, the fucking scout is just sweating bullets it's like oh god everyone else on the bridge won't even look at him yeah everyone is like nope not my circus not my monkey dead man walking everyone already knows that they work for the craziest fucker who kills everybody who says anything bad to him oh yeah they're like i don't want to bring any attention he's obviously pissed i do not want his attention to be anywhere but that guy because if i draw his attention 
I'll be the one who gets fucked. But then, surprisingly, Gepta finally looks up from his reverie of, of emotional distress and goes, Are you still here? Surely you have more important places to be. Get the fuck off. Yeah. So the guy's like, oh, I'm going to live. And he walks away. And right as he gets into the elevator, one of Gepta's huge bodyguard lieutenant death mans comes in and is like, clamps his hand down on this guy's shoulder like like a hey, dinner buddy. plate just grabbed your arm. Why don't you come with me? I'm guessing this guy's got an arm pretty much the exact same thing as a fucking Denver boot. <laughs> just, <laughs> just clonk, thunk. <laughs> come with me. We're going to go down to the city and pay your ticket. He has a little story about how, like, he was on the Wenice when the Falcon escaped the, the first time, and now he wants to go get drunk with this guy and hear the story. But then we cut back to fucking uh, when the Wenice's throne room, I guess, or is he back on Tund? I don't even know. No, he's... <sighs> He's in the Wenis's pet room. Yeah, because he's just hanging out. And Roker Gepta, we get a new look at his weird little monster pet. Because before yeah. we had just seen the legs. Yes. And they had been like, ooh, it's a little black furry thing and it's got legs. And so we had been referring to it as like a gross little spider. Yeah, I figured it was like a trapdoor spider. But now... Now we find out that it is basically a spider with bat wings and a butthole for a face. Yes, it's basically an Oswaft, but really small. It has wings and a bunch of dangling appendages and tentacles. It has no tentacles, it's got little legs. It's got mini-jointed appendages of innumerable qu uh, quantities. Yeah, those aren't tentacles, those are legs. Some of them might be. They're jointed. <laughs> <laughs> you got me there. Most tentacles are not, well, I guess they have like one joint. But yeah, they... <laughs> Yeah, just like me. They've got one joint. And then they fall asleep immediately because they're because <laughs> they're total lightweights. Yes. Oh, man. <laughs> uh, but yeah, basically he's in there, another pet room, an another big room with stinky holes in the wall where pets go. Yeah, and he just makes a little like, woohoo, and down from the rafters comes his little butthole spider bat. Yeah. And it is a completely blind because its face is literally just... A sucking butthole. Yes. Like, when I say that, know that it is actually just a little sucking hole on the front of it that's like... <laughs> We've all seen Ted Cruz. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> Got him! <laughs> so, yeah, it comes down and lands on his hand, and then with his other hand, he does a theatrical snap, which summons the giant bodyguard who has a tray of leftover lieutenant bits. Yeah, and he just, like has some tongs, and he's like, here, a choice delectable bit of fucking scout. Suck it down your little butthole face. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So he did kill the messenger and turned him into a, plate of, uh, a platter of crudite, which he is now tonging into his butthole spider bat. Yep. And he's like, yes, feed my pet. Yes. For my hatred grows. Although I do like that, I guess, given that he's pissed off enough to murder this lieutenant, and then go brood in his stupid pet room, he might actually believe it. I think he might currently think Lando is dead. Yeah, which would be amazing to me. I would love if this book ended with Roker just not knowing and then fucking off. <laughs> that would be, he just sinks into a depression. Just just no resolution is what I want. I want Roker, Gepta, and Lando to go their separate ways and have it so that any writer in the future could be like, you know what? Fuck it. I'm using Roker, Ge Roker Gepta. Yeah. Basically, Roker Gepta, although I wouldn't be fine. I would also be fine if instead, like, Roker Gepta went off on his own at this point to basically do leaving Las Vegas <laughs> while, while Lando saves the, the Oswald from the, the big bad Navy and Clint Shanga never gets to him because he doesn't have a light speed capable thing. Yeah. The end. Going sub light speed, we will re reach the Thonboka in. 27 years. 
And that's because it's surprisingly close. It's right over there. <laughs> uh, it'd be like 30,000 years. <laughs> but we're going to do it because we're that mad. Yeah. Anyway, they died. <laughs> On the way back to their home planet. And so did Roker Gepta. But, you know, at least he died cool with a, with a neat died girlfriend. Died doing what he loved. Can't remember tonging who, his butthole. I can't remember who played Nick Cage's girlfriend in that. Uh, I've never seen it, and I never will. Really? Yeah. I thought you'd just watch any Nick Cage movie. That- nah, that one's good. <laughs> <laughs> it actually is very good. Yeah. <laughs> so, but you've seen Moonstruck, right? Eh, That's also kind of. very good. Yeah. Eh. And I think we're all going to go to that for, for Con Air. If you, if, if Con you, Air is fucking if you amazing. you can look me in the eye. Look, Con Air is a bad movie, and it's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Okay. I think we're done. That's all, the ch- <laughs> that's all the chapters they is. That's all we got for you this week. But don't you fret. Fret ye not. Don't you worry, little babies. Mm-hmm. We got you covered. We've got more content. There's... Always more content in the banana stand. If you head over to patreon.com slash system mastery, you can support the show, help us out. Anything you give helps us keep doing what we're doing, but it also unlocks a bunch of bonus content and more shows for you. And we are beginning the big bad change. We have started turning on the ads on the newer shows as they come out. I'm going to start backdating and, and turning on the ads on the old ones. And we've started uh, setting new Patreon shows to patron only. This is because if you support us at any level, all of these shows, the ones that used to all be the free shows, will now be ad-free if you're a patron or ad-supported if you're not. Yes. So that is now happening. It's officially happening. So by all means, if you want the bonus content here, please consider supporting us at the $4 level. That'll unlock the Expanded Expounded Universe, uh, where we do deep dives into Wikipedia to tell each other stories about Star Wars history. It'll also get you the bonus content. It'll also get you all of the unlocked main episodes. But you can easily get the unlocked main episodes for a $2 a month pledge. As long as you're supporting the show, it means we don't have to turn to outside ad revenue to support us. So you can go ahead and get that show ad-free, supporting us on Patreon. Uh, or, you know, there's a skip button. If you don't have enough money, we get it. you know, times are tough. Yeah. Obviously, you can just skip forward. That's fine. The way I see it, if you've got two bucks a month, we'd rather you give it to us than give it to Spotify, who will give it to Raytheon. You see what I mean? Yeah. Just, just pay the man directly. It's going to be better. This is this is the farmer's market of podcasting is our Patreon. What I'm saying is it's better for you to give $2 directly to us than to inadvertently support, I don't know, keeps.com or some shit. And end up with us getting a fraction of a cent out of that. Yeah. So just give us, give us your two or four bucks. Support us. Support the show. <clears throat> and get lots and lots of rewards. That's right. We are going to go record our expanded, expounded universe. We are going to go into Wikipedia. You can join us there at patreon.com slash system mastery. We would love for you to join us. And until then, I've been Elan Bagano. <laughs> and I'm Admiral Nasty Dick. <laughs>